the government will admit it's a sustainable fishery. Um, you know, it ticks all the right boxes, but let's just close it down. Today on Dirty Linen, we are embarking on a very special mini-series around Port Phillip Bay and the seafood that comes from it, and in some cases does not come from it. We are kicking off this special focus series with Phil McAdam, who is the last remaining sardine fisher in Port Phillip Bay. Phil, welcome to Dirty Linen. Yeah, happy to be here. Really great to have you on the show. I guess we're not speaking under the very best of circumstances because uh, your job, your industry as sardine fisher is um, about to be taken away from you. Yeah, there's only another nine days left. (laughs) So nine days as we're speaking, but so when the people are listening, well, I guess what people need to know is the 1st of April is when it all closes down. Um, And I guess, you know, you don't exactly know how many days you've got left because we don't know what the weather does. You can't go out if it's too blowy. Um, Yeah, let's just put people in the picture. Can you just explain what it is to be a sardine fisher in Port Phillip Bay? What's, um, yeah, what's, what do you do? What do you go out and get? Like what, what's daily life like? Yeah, uh, it's uh, fishing's a way of life. It, it's not a job. Uh, it's something you do because you love it. Uh, but the advantage is you get to feed a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I left school at the age of thirteen and um, started my fishing career, be, mainly because the old man done it. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've done that for forty-five years. Loved every minute of it, and uh, now you know we're, we're over the over the years. You know we've built up a business that's employing uh, six people. Uh, my two daughters work on the boat, and they work at the factory here, packaging and uh, bait. Um, you know, it, it's a family-run business. You know, the supplies six in, six incomes, uh, or yeah, six incomes to six different households. And Phil, tell us about, you know, life when you were a kid and what drew you into this world uh, when you were 13. Oh, I, I got drew into it long before I was 13. <laughs> um, you know, from the age of five, four, five, six, I was going out with the old man catching fish, you know. And uh, as I said, it's just been a way of life ever since. Uh, the advantage of it all is, is because you know, it's me passion in life and I've been, I've been able to make a good living doing it for the last 45 years and uh, still love doing it. And was it your dad that started the fishery or does it go back even before that? I mean, my grandfather fished too, uh, but, yeah, main, mainly because uh, the old man fished, I started going with him and then I brought my own boats and, yeah, uh, branched off on my own. Um but yeah, it's been just been an ongoing thing, and now my daughters are, are working on the boat, uh, you know, and uh, they wanted to take the business over. But uh, Daniel Andrews has had um, different ideas. And tell us about the the factory that you've got there in Williamstown, and talk just talk about the boat. Give us a bit of the nuts and bolts of what is it actually like to go out and catch these sardines. Yeah. Um, well, in the last 12 months, uh, or last, I'll give you an idea, last financial year, uh, we supplied uh, over 100 tonne to the food market uh, in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and we're one of only two fishermen uh, or fishing businesses that is capable of supplying sardines to the Melbourne food market in Victoria. And... Um, yeah, as I said, well, we supplied over 100 tonne to the Melbourne food market and that goes direct off the boat 
straight into the seafood centre. Um, the fish are caught usually between two, 12 and 2 a.m. in the morning, and they're in the seafood centre by 4 a.m. Uh, and um, the, the rest of the state in, in uh, the la- in last financial year only supplied eight tonne to the seafood centre. Um, uh, next year, there's going to be a hell of a big hole in uh, you know, fresh local sardines in, in Victoria. And Phil, just to put us in the picture, like, tell us about the boat, tell us about the nets, like, what is it, you know, what is it actually involved to catch these sardines? Uh, it's all electronics these days, like, yeah, most other fishing. Uh, we use sonar to uh, find the shoals of fish at night, and we work at night because that's when the, the sardines shoal up. Uh, if we want to catch anchovy, we go through the day because um, uh, that's when they shoal up. But with the sardines, they shoal up at night. Uh, we find them electronically and uh, use a purse scene um, that uh, basically we just shoot shoot the net around the shoal of fish and um, being a purse scene, it purses up at the bottom um, and, um, yeah, we keep hauling the net in until they're all confined into a small area uh, and then we use uh, dip nets to, yeah, get them on board the boat. And how targeted is it? Oh, very targeted. Um, you know, like, yeah, we'll, we'll have uh, three tonne of sardines in the net and not see one other species of fish. You know, it's very sustainable, uh, very focused on what you're targeting. Um, and electronics these days, um, you know, I can tell the difference between, you know, a fish that's four inches long and then a fish that's two inches long. You know, the electronics are so good these days. Um, so it allows you to target the size fish you want. That's so, yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, how, so that's obviously pretty different to what your dad would have been doing. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, when I first started, we didn't even have electronics. Um, you know, we, we used to go out fishing then and uh, we'd see a gannet dive on, because uh, the gannets uh, feed on sardines. Uh, we'd see a gannet dive in the water and we'd just go and shoot the net around where the gannet dived. You know, it was it was all pretty back then. Um, but, yeah, like like anything else, we've evolved over the years and uh, we do things a little bit differently now. Yeah, amazing. And talk about, you know, we've you've talked about the eating market for the sardines. Can you talk about the bait market as well? Yeah, well, uh, well I'm, I'm capped at 160 tonne um, in the last few years because of the buy uh, you know, the, the Target 1 million program and the buy out of commercial nets in Port Phillip Bay. Um, be, and because of COVID-19, uh, we've actually, uh, the, 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 the actual eating market, the food market, um, has increased where the bait market decreased. And, and the bait market decreased because of the uh, COVID lockdown and nobody was allowed out and all the rest of it. Um, but normally, normally we'd catch around uh, eighty ton to the food market and eighty ton to the bait market. And the bait market uh, is high quality bait um, that we process here in uh, in, a, in a brine tank, frozen, snap frozen in a brine tank in about fifteen minutes, um, put into the freezer, and uh, then packaged later and gets distributed all around Victoria. 
Yeah, I mean, it's great to think about Victorian wreckfish as having Victorian bait. That just feels like the right way for things to be. Um, well, the, the wreckfishers think that too. <laughs> you know, uh, they've been, been um, you know, my biggest uh, supporters, but the government just still don't want to take notice for some reason. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So in 2014, the Victorian government, as part of its, you know, an election promise, they committed to phasing out commercial netting in Port Phillip Bay, and that was tied to this Target One Million plan. And the, the Target One Million refers to this campaign or this, uh, I guess, program to increase the amount of recreational fishing going on to increase it from around about, I don't know, a quarter of a million licenses to one million people out there fishing, um, and for reasons that are a little bit opaque, they tied this increase in recreational fishing or this desire for an increase in recreational fishing to the phasing out of commercial fishing in Port Phillip Bay. Can, can you talk about this from your point of view, Phil? Like, you know, is this something you'd heard about happening for a while? Did it sneak up on you? And, you know, what, what did you think about it when you heard about it? The whole decision, yeah, really sneaked, snuck up on us. Like uh, it was a complete shock. That uh, you know that, that they were buying out all commercial licenses. Uh, it wasn't voluntary; it would be mandatory. Um, yeah, that, no, that was a great shock. Um, and uh, when it happens first of April, I, yeah, I still don't know how I'm going to handle that. Uh, commercial fishermen haven't been very good at what they, they do over the years. You know, we've been trying to catch every fish in Port Phillip Bay for 150 years. Um, the thing is, we're not very good at it. That's why there's still plenty of fish out there. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's something that I suppose is is at the forefront of people's minds is this, is sustainability. So, I mean, Phil, you've been fishing in the bay for, forever. Like how does it, how do the fish numbers seem to you? Does it seem like, you know, it's, it's still a sustainable uh, catch? Fishing, yeah, and when you've been doing it for 45 years, you see, you see the ebbs and flows of uh, a lot of different fish. Um, you know, some fish are down in numbers, but then other fish are, fish have been never have been any better, and um, that's always varied because you know, fish fish breeding is very cycle. You know, it, it's um, the the snapper I know this year have had a real good breeding recruitment. You know, uh, there's a lot of the eggs survived, and in five years' time, there's going to be a lot of uh, just size snapper. Because I know, because I'm seeing them with the bait, they're only about an inch long now. And I know with the amount that uh, we're seeing, um, there'll be, it's a very good recruitment. Now, uh, Mar the Marine Science Lab in Queenscliff will back that up in a couple of months' time when they do their their, their egg uh, their, their trawl survey. Um, you know, uh, sardines have never been better. Like we had a we had a pilchard kill in '95. 95, 96, that devastated pilchard stocks in uh, the southern half of Australia. And uh, that was due to imported fish, uh, in, imported pilchards, uh, feeding corolled tuna in South Australia. Um, now, that devastated pilchard stocks for 15 years. You know, and, well, when, when there's no fresh local bait, they're, they're already importing or importing pilchards from India and other parts of the world. Now, um, the risk of disease, you know, is very high. Uh, and CS, no, not CSIRO, sorry, um, 
Border Security has actually published a paper warning against this. The importation of pilchards used for bait is very high risk. Wow. Um, yes, and just to be clear for people, like pilchards is the name, it's the same as sardines except when they're used for bait, they're called pilchards, right? Yeah, yeah. Usually, if somebody if somebody comes into the factory and asks ask me for pilchards, I know they're using them for bait. But if they ask for sardines, I know they're going to eat them. <laughs> but they're the same. Yeah. So I feel. I mean, I, I'm really shocked to hear that. You know, you you you've got to stop fishing for sardines on the first of April. You're still not quite sure what you're going to do. Like, tell me how are, how are you feeling about things? What's the what's the sort of emotion around this this change? Oh, I get very emotional about it, you know. Uh, I've got a grandson, you know, nearly four years old, you know, that loves coming out on the boat and all the rest of it, even at a young age. And, you know, um, I don't know I'm going to be able to tell him in a couple of weeks' time that there's no more pilchards. <laughs> you know, he's not going to understand that. Um, yeah, no, I get very emotional about it, very and what about your daughters, you know, who had this plan to come into the business or they're in the business and they wanted to keep going? What what are they, how are they feeling? Well, they're not feeling too well either. You know, it, it, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's not just them. It's, um, you know, the other works that there's six people involved in the fishery, you know, in, in my business, you know. And, um, but, you know, it, you can say that that's bad enough, you know. Um, you know, we'll do it tough. Uh, I know I'll do it very tough. But. Yeah, it's the people of Victoria that are missing out on this. Port Phillip Bay and the fish in it belongs to six and a half million Victorians. Right? They've got the right to access the the uh, spoils of Port Phillip Bay. Sardines being one of them and a lot of other different varieties of fish. You know, at the moment we're catching a lot of white bait uh, that goes into all the restaurants around Melbourne. Um, now... All Victorians have got a right to that, not just a couple of hundred thousand recreationals. And that's what the government has done. You know, they've, they've locked uh, the resource of uh, Port Phillip Bay and all the fish in it, they've locked it away for a couple of hundred thousand recreationals. But Phil, as you've mentioned, you know, the, the rec fishers that purchase the pilchards from you, they don't support this. So, what do you think? What do you think is what do you think's going on? Uh, it, six years ago, they got Daniel Andrews to agree to the no netting ban, and they just ran with it without thinking, and they didn't plan it out properly. You know, uh, you had a um, um, a a, um, what would you call them? You had a group that got together and uh, campaigned very successfully to the government, spruiking that uh, they had so many hundred thousands of votes uh, for Daniel Andrews and uh, basically buckled and agreed to it. You know, uh, he thought it was a vote-getter, you know. Uh, and, I mean, this is... It, this has cost the Victorian people a lot, you know. If we're taking us taking away access to seafood, which, as you say, you know, is is our right, it's cost us in terms of the promises to the Target One Million campaign. It's um, cost us in terms of the buyout. So your license, well, you know, I think when the scheme started, the 
license holders such as yourself were able to access compensation of $310,000 in that first year and then that reduced by 10% over the following years. So a bit bit more to it than that. There there were three components of the buyout. Um, Yeah, the license was valued at $310,000. Boat and gear was valued at $75,000. Um, I've got one net that's worth seventy five thousand. <laughs> Let alone the other shed full of nets. Um, um, and then you had a component of the buyout that was uh, from loss of catch, uh, loss of income. And so that was based on three times the average annual catch value. Yeah. Yeah. As I understand it. So, I mean, basically for you to stay there fishing, because that's just what you do, you've also taken a hit because the value of the payout has reduced each year, right? It's reduced each year by 10%. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I could could have sat on my bum uh, for the last six years and the first year I threw away $160,000. The second year I threw away... Uh, $140 odd um, in the buyout amount, you know. Um, but I just wasn't, and I said to him right from word go, I don't care how much you offer. This is a way of life. It, it, it's not about the money, you know. It's not about the money. Um, but that that's my personal story, Um yeah, you know, uh, but the message that I really want to get across is the people of Melbourne that are going to miss out on this. You know, I supply sardines to all the major restaurants all over Melbourne. Well, they're just not going to be available anymore, and they're going to be forced to use this muck that's coming in from the places like India uh, and other parts of the country, and it's complete rubbish. They won't even use it for bait. You know, you can't beat that. Well. What's so good about Port Phillip Bay sardines, Phil? They're fresh and they're local. You can't beat that. Like, you know, we're catching them at 2 o'clock in the morning and they're in the seafood centre at uh, 4 o'clock and they're in the Vic Market at 6. You cannot compete with that. And once the fishery closes, how, like, is it possible to restart it? How hard is it to restart it? You know, is it commercially viable to crank it back up again? Yeah, history shows once once they close a fishery, they don't reopen. History shows that. Um, I've put in a proposal to Melissa Horn's office, which is the Minister for uh, uh, Fishing. Uh, I've put in a proposal on how a restart could happen. Um, you know, and I had a meeting with her on this uh, when we were still in lockdown because it was a Zoom meeting uh, some time ago. And she hasn't even had the decency to get back to me since. You know, and I, I spent a lot of mon- money getting this proposal all um, wrote up and, uh, um, you know, scientific information and all the rest of it. And, yeah, the, the, the politician of the day doesn't even have the decency to get back to you. So, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know. Yeah, she hasn't got back to me either. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, to me, it feels like, you know, she wasn't the Minister for Fishing when this law was passed. Um, she's taken it over from Jala Pulford, who I believe was in the office at the time. I, I mean, to me, the feeling I get is that no one really wants this to happen, but the wheels are in motion and it just seems too hard 
for some reason to put the brakes on, turn it around? No, they're too lazy. They're too lazy to get off their ass and actually do a little bit of work because it's very easy for it to happen. Um, but uh, they, they, as you said, the, the, the wheels are in motion. Oh, let's not make waves. Let's just keep along the party line and rah, rah, rah. You know? Uh, um, like from the first announcement uh, of it, you know, it took me nine months before I got a meeting with Jala Pulford. And the only thing I received in that nine-month period was one letter from Fisheries Victoria or Victorian Fisheries Authority as they're known now. You know, that was the only contact in nine months. You know, we're going to close your business down um, and, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it took nine months to get a meeting, and then then she had to cheat to get come to this meeting. So I'm going to give you certainty. We're certainly going to chop your head off. <laughs> this is the way these people treat people. You know. Anyway, a bit speechless with all that. Like, yeah, I I, I get uh, emotionally involved in it, and yeah, yeah, it's not a good feeling. Yeah, well, I mean, it is emotional. I mean, I feel emotional about losing access to seafood and I think whenever you hear about someone whose, uh, yeah, livelihood is being taken away, it's, um, yeah, it's there's it's it's always hard to, to think about. It's hard to hear. And I suppose, you know, and sometimes, you know, you could, uh, like a coal miner, you know, we need to turn that industry around. So when, but when there's an industry that's sustainable, um, and it's doing, yeah, it's, it's it's getting fresh, healthy food to local people. Then it just it just seems uh, there doesn't seem to be an upside to it. Yeah, no, no. Well, the government will admit it's a sustainable fishery. Um, you know, it ticks all the right boxes, but let's just close it down. You know, and and, and when when this went to Parliament, um, yeah, the the Greens have never been. Um, like too friendly with the commercial fishermen. You know, we've always clashed heads and all the rest of it. But surprisingly enough, they were the only ones that supported us. They supported us because it was a sustainable fishery and they could see the sense in um, um, uh, keeping this fishery going Um and not not uh, replacing it from imports from an unsustainable fishery, you know. But the other two parties, yeah, just yeah, it all fell on deaf ears. Yeah. What are you hearing from chefs and restaurants at the moment, Phil? Just about you know this this uh, about losing access to these sardines. Yeah, they're they're not happy. They're not happy. Um, you know, I've got uh, tea from anchovy at the moment. Uh, she wants to go out and get some um, um, fresh uh, anchovy to make a traditional uh, fish sauce, um, you know, because it's not going to be, you know, she's not going to be able to do it in the future. Uh, restaurants all over Melbourne, they're just not happy, not happy at all. And I hope they make this government pay when it goes to an election. Well, I hope they I hope they go to the election with a promise to restart it. But it's just the the resources and the anguish and the heartache 
and the interim lack of access to seafood is just really incredibly frustrating. Um, so, Phil, what's it going to feel like when you when you um, come in with your last catch of sardines? Not going to be a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's something I've uh, tried not to think about for the last six years. It'll be a sad day. Um, yeah. It will be. But it's not just the sardines. You know, there's a lot of other species in the bay that the recreationals don't catch uh, or don't target um, that are going to be lost to the general public too. You know, it's, it's not just sardines. You know, and to lock that whole resource away to just a couple of hundred thousand people, there's six and a half million people in Victoria that are entitled to share that resource. You know, and the commercials in the past have tapped into that resource for the the general public that don't go recreational fishing. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, I number among those people and I'm, um, yeah, really devastated about it. F- Phil? I'm a recreational fisherman too, but, <laughs> you know, just because you hold a recreational fishing licence, it doesn't mean to say you're against commercial fishing. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Phil, well, it's um, it's been a privilege to eat your sardines and it's been, yeah, really great to get your perspective on this issue. I'm, yeah, just feel so sad and sorry for what you and your family and the other people that work with you are dealing with. Um, yeah, on behalf of Victorian seafood eaters, if I can be so bold, <laughs> I really hope we can turn this one around. But, yeah, thanks so much for sharing with us today. Yeah, no, great to chat. Really appreciate it. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.